Hello and welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. In this episode, we review the powerhouse rodeo that is the America's GP. I am your host, Matt Polanski. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MattPolanski1 and Twitch at GameStopper0734. I'm joined, as always, by the creator of the Red Sector, Josh Wilson, who you can follow on Twitter at WilsonJ194. And be sure to follow the human MotoGP Wikipedia page that is Bono, who you can follow on Twitter at BonoGP underscore and Instagram at BonoGP. We gave Bono the night off because he's been out playing with his band all weekend and was just absolutely tired. So we're giving him the night off. Josh, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Um, recovering from the weekend. It's uh, it'll be good to get back to a normal schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of got used to having like, what's it? It's been like three, three kind of um, weird schedules for us Europeans. Um, uh, but a normal, I guess, have been more normal for you, which is a bit of an inconvenience, maybe, because I reckon you you kind of get used to it being at weird times. So when it's yeah. like, when it's when it's like prime time, like peak your day you're like oh my god i ain't got time for this (laughs) well and that's what i love about like european motorsports is they start like f1 and moto gp they start at like 8 a.m 9 a.m over here yeah there's other stuff like rally and stuff like that they those start at like six in the morning i'm like well when i get up i'll catch up at some point but uh with moto gp and f1 it's like oh well I'm going to wake up a little earlier than normal, but then I'm going to watch the race and it'll be done. And then I have the rest of my day to go do what I need to do. But like this weekend I had kid, my daughter had football game. My son had lacrosse games. And it's just like during the race, I was sitting there in a, in uh, the stands at my son's high school, trying to watch him look down at the phone, look back up the, I got the sun glaring off the bleacher. So I'm holding my hand like, to block the bleachers looking down at my phone and looking above my arm to look back at the field and just kept going back and forth. So I'm ready for it to get back over to Europe too. <laughs> I know. I never thought you, you Americans would like that, but I think you are used to it. Um, yeah. Cause it, I mean, it, it gets you, you get used to a schedule. You build your schedule yeah. around the race. You know, yeah. it's a lot like um, over here, NFL, and stuff like that like on a sunday you build your day around eventually you're gonna watch sit down and watch the nfl game most well, people yeah, not yeah. Me, but yeah but like, like in, in england that's it's 6 p.m for us the nfl yeah start. so for a lot of people that's a kind of sit down and kind yeah, of you, out on a sunday watching nfl so, yeah you go about your day and then in the evening you're like okay i know it's six o'clock i'm gonna sit down and you know watch nfl games yeah where the, it's the same thing for me. I know I'm going to wake up early, skip, like, rush yeah. downstairs, turn on the MotoGP race, watch it, and then it's like, cool, go about my day. Well, yeah, cause obviously uh, this weekend's been packed full of sports, and I watched um, IndyCar, and that was like yep. half 9, 10, 10 p.m. for us, and then the golf, the Masters was on. Uh, yep, the Masters. So that's that's the same. That's about 9, 10 p.m. that's on. So it's... Yep. It, Sometimes it's, I guess, with American sports, we you have a schedule. You know when it's on. It's always on at mm-hmm. night. It's never going to be on in the morning, um, right? So yeah. So, but we're getting back, and then, of course, I don't know if anyone's aware, but I will be in Portugal for the MotoGP race. Yeah, I don't think uh, we told anybody about that. No, no. So there's some some news. So if anyone mm-hmm. who listens to this podcast is going to be in Portugal. Do let us know um, if whether it's on the Discord or through Twitter. Um, just give us a shout and maybe we can meet up. Um, but I haven't really got a schedule or anything because um, we're not we're not an organised lot on this podcast. So I'm just gonna gonna <laughs> I'm gonna wing it and just go there and if I if I bump into anyone, then so be it. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So before uh, Portugal, we still have to talk about Coda. Yes. Uh, and before we start that, we'll get into the news, which the only real big part of the news this weekend was that Mark was coming back. Um, it was announced. I think we put out the episode Wednesday mm. and it was like right after we put the episode out that it like news started breaking or it might have been early the next day that uh, Mark was coming back and it, 
it was I sort of had mixed emotions because it's like, it, especially whenever he said, uh, I think at the press conference, like, oh, yeah, I was going to try to come back for Argentina. And my immediate thought was, are you insane? Like, you're you have double vision. This is a second bout or third bout of this stuff. And you wanted to try to come back after a week off. You're insane. Yeah. But, um, it, I think Mark was always going to come back for Austin. It's one of his favorite tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we get into the little review, we will kind of see why. Um, so it was just it, if he was if there was ever a slight chance he was coming back for Austin, then there was. And, and we know Mark. We all know by mm-hmm. now, Mark will do anything to to ride a bike on on track. It, it doesn't matter. You know, he could lose a limb, and if there was a ch- and if there was a chance for him to just put a prosthetic one on so he could ride. He'd take it. He'd do that. So <laughs> he tried getting back on at yeah. What Jerez? Jerez. Yeah, it was Jerez. Yeah, yeah. He had a rod in his arm. Is like I'm gonna try to ride, and then they were like, "You can't do enough push-ups," and no, you won't. But yeah, <laughs> so that was pretty much the only news. Um, the other big talking point coming into this was how the track was gonna be, um, because they had done the repaving from I think it's turn two to all the way to turn ten. Which is pretty much the maggots and Beckett's looking section all the way up to the uh, long straightaway, um, which we'll get into with um, started with Moto three. Which well, actually, we should probably talk Moto two first because they were the first sessions. Yeah, we could do it slightly unorthodox, but we can. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go off how the uh, how the race because. Moto two happened first. Like they had, they got the first sessions. Which, on top of that, they also had Moto America there, and there oh, was some of those guys. They were saying like they were going out at before eight a.m. each day to go in and set laps. So I could only imagine how those guys had to handle that. But they said that the the Moto two riders were the first report, and they were saying like that whole repave section was really greasy. And when early in the morning it was cold and they could feel the bike just sliding out from under them. And then as it progressed through the day, you started hearing like you got to MotoGP and they're like, it's it's better, but it's not. It's still pretty slick. And then the Moto3 riders are like, yeah, this feels fine. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one because obviously you do see it when there's a new track lid. It, it does get greasy and because uh, it needs time to like set. If anyone mm-hmm. watched Formula One, uh, Portimao, was it 2020? Where it was like on ice. Yes. And Turkey as uh, well. Turkey. Yeah, Turkey but, was the one they had just repaved. Yeah, literally they were getting people in from off the streets to, to have like tractors to lay rubber. Like, yeah. That's how, that's how put. So, uh, and when, when you're on two wheels, it's it's more of a concern or more of, a, of, of an issue or a factor. And especially mm-hmm. that from 10 through that first and second sectors, that's that's quite scary that bit of the track um you know and if that being that quite that bit being quite greasy of all places yeah you're gonna do as we saw in the race itself mm-hmm. we did see some people come off in that section yeah so uh looking at moto two and like i said this was i think this was noon or something it started like right after 1220 so it would have been about five yeah, 520 your time. Yeah, yeah. Um, we saw Tony Arbolino win, followed by Iger and Jake Dixon on the podium. But the biggest talking point, well, w- first we got to mention qualifying because Cameron Bobier put in <laughs> what is, it's been listed, it's listed on MotoGP's website as the best race lap at a 208.751. And I was at, my son's lacrosse game and i saw a tweet come from the red sector account that just said usa and i'm like what what happened what happened because i i wasn't sitting there watching it and i'm like well what happened and i went on and saw Co- bobier got pulled i like jumped up and like started shouting my wife's staring at me like i'm insane but <laughs> yeah uh, what- t- good i was gonna say what's a what was a reaction in america to that was there anything was there I, I don't think there was because no. like it, I didn't really see a lot. I'm, I'm sure once I listened to like, um, 
the one uh, MotoGP podcast I listen to. It's called Greg's Garage. The hosts are the commentators from Moto America. I'm sure once I listen to that one, they're going to talk the hell out of it. But like, this isn't something that like would get covered on like, you know, the news or anything. The the the, the thing I always go back to, and it would well actually it was just at Mandalika with the Mark Marquez crash on. I think it was like Good Morning America uh, or yeah. something. The where they, it said motocross rider oh, crash. It's like, yep, yep, this is exactly what we can expect over here. But yeah, uh, MotoGP, it's not really not taken off. No, I mean, I mean, I'm sure Moto America being with MotoGP that must have Even, had some effect. Um, no, not really. I mean, in the motorcycle, if you're a fan of motorcycle racing, you knew about it, but it's not like it doesn't get that big of news. Even NASCAR over here is like, you might see like one or two things on, like you might hear one or two things on a Sunday or Monday on ESPN, but it's just like, oh, and in the NASCAR race, so-and-so won, and you never hear anything. You hear more about F1 because it's a global sport. Well, that's really taken off, hasn't it? Um, oh, yeah, we'll drive to survive. And hopefully with, with um, Unlimited, you'll see more traction in America, but... Um, honestly, though, that, that lap from Bovier, I mean, mm-hmm. he, channeled, he channeled his inner American Eagle for that because oh, yeah. it was just meant to be. Uh, I've just, wow. That was, he had that thing on rails a bit, a bit like Martin mm-hmm. in, in MotoGP for qualifying. Just incredible. And he, uh, he got a good start off the line in the race as well. But yeah. That turn, that turn one's quite notorious where you can, you really can get swamped. Yeah. And you can get caught up quite easily. Mm. Yeah, and it, like you could see, it, you know, talk about that first lap. I don't know if it was a combination of, like I said, the earlier the cold and the, the slick conditions and what have you. But in the first lap, we lost Gabriel Rodrigo, Chantra, Lowe's, Aldegar, and Vanda Bo- Gorberg <laughs> all in the first lap. So, like, it, it kind of threw up a, like a little, not a red flag, but like one of those things like, well, what's the rest of this day going to be like? Because yeah, to see those go, those guys go down in the first lap, they never even got to set a lap. It was, it was like bowling, wasn't it? Um, well, yeah. It looked, it looked bad on the, on the, when, when I saw it live, I thought it looked worse than it actually turned out to be, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but some big names there. Obviously, Aldegar did so well in Argentina unlucky there and then mm-hmm. unlucky again I, i'm not sure exactly what happened i don't know who who fell and who took out who i think sam lowe's fell yeah and then i think I, somebody went into lowe's and then it was just a like a domino effect after that yeah i mean big names like chantra doing really well um mm-hmm. you know after uh mandalika and and also putting in a good performance at argentina they're losing him on the first lap. Sam Lowe's, obviously, who we know has potential and can can be up there fighting for a podium pretty much nearly every race. And Aldegar, bloody hell. But that was kind of that set kind of what was what was to come really. Um because yeah, moving forward. Yeah, two laps in we lose uh course Simona Corsi. Uh lap three we lose um Alessandro Zaccone and Pedro Costa. Lap yeah, four, I mean, I was... we lose Vietti, but um, oh yeah, the BT Sport. It was commentators' curse because literally, I don't know which which you have. You have the MotoGP commentary. Yeah, team, I have the global feed. But on BT Sport, they were saying um, the basically they were praising how well Pedro Costa was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how he seems to be getting back into a rhythm maybe get capturing some of that Moto 3 form from last season and then literally about two turns later he was down <laughs> and it's just classic commentators cares for that one um, yeah but then Vietti that was a big one and I think yep. that was in that first sector um that like twisty part the the, the mm-hmm. Beckett's Maggots part and all that or the, the the like to Beckett's Maggots but yeah losing yeah. him as well that was crazy um again big names that were going down yeah, because you lost Vietti on lap four, lap seven, you lose Aaron Kinnett. And then lap 12, you lose um, Niccolo Antonelli. And then the lap 17, because I think it was the second to the last lap, 
uh, Cameron Bobier goes down. Yeah, so, I like... Mean, if you saw the Canet one, that was lucky. That was quite scary, yeah. actually. Because both his bike and himself went across the track as bikes were mm-hmm. coming. And that could have that could have been really... That could have yeah. been really bad. And I think that's the, that's the issue with something like that, with a, with a track like that, with them chicanes. Yeah. Because you've not really... There's, if you fall off with a bit of speed, you you can go straight across the track, even if mm-hmm. you've fallen off into kind of the the what should be. I don't know if the if there should be calls for like a gravel trap or something in them areas, but um something like that because it's a lot of tarmac there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so you just slide along, but yeah, to lose. I mean, Canet again, he was in the lead, and that was another big name drop. Mm-hmm. Along with VA, it seems like anyone who was fancy and extending the lead in the title uh, just thought, "Nah, we'll have have this uh, have this race off." <laughs> yeah, but it it was just one of those things. Like you, you just kept hearing big name after big name after big name, and you're just like, "Well, what's going to happen?" You know, I was sitting there watching, thinking, "Okay, so when's Bobier fall off?" Because he got the pole, he was up there. I'm like, "Okay, yeah, when's he fall?" You know, Tony Arbolino had the lead. And Iagur is behind him in second. Jake Dixon's in third. You're like, all three of them are probably going to go down at some point. It just sort of like set this pace for, or set a a tone for this race where you're just like, okay, now who's going down next? Because, you know, whatever the, whatever the cause of it was, you know, like the first incident was, you know, where we lost uh, Lowe's and them. You know, that's a whole, they were bunched up. One rider hit or two riders hit and, domino effect but then after that losing rider after rider just like all right so who this is a race of survival who will make yeah, it yeah. you know the this fact that awesome. we had two people not score points in this race out of the you know out of everybody yeah i agree i mean heartbreak for both of you um if you saw him he like mm-hmm. he, he... He went over a bump and he's just the front end folded on him. Yep. The bike just went, you know what? I, I, I can't even wait till the end. And I'm going down now. <laughs> I I sort of jinxed it because I was watching this and, uh, you know, Dixon's in. Dixon was in third and Bobia was like six seconds or nine seconds back or something. Like they built the gaps up, you know, between the top, uh, top five. And I'm just like watching Dixon. They would pop up on the screen, like, I need you to go down. I need you to fall. So Bobia can get this podium, and then second to the last lap, Bobia goes down. I'm like, "What the heck? No, that's not what I wished for." <laughs> that's what happens when you wish for a Brit to go down. Yeah, but but uh, in, yeah. In all, all all honesty, though, moving on to the kind of podium sitters, um, or the the podium winners, uh, mm-hmm. Abelino again. I, it was it was a case I think more a case of inheriting these not to not to do any disrespect on those who who got the podiums but mm-hmm. it was a case of last man standing. Um, yeah, Abelino did a, a cracking job to keep in the lead. Ayagora, um kind of bouncing back from being overshadowed by his teammate the last couple of races when yep. everyone everyone suddenly was eyeing up Chantra saying, "Oh, you know what, Chantra could be in for this this." Uh, this seat, Idemitsu seat in MotoGP, but Agora's put his name back in the in the or put himself back in the limelight by saying, "Look, I'm still here," um, right. with a solid second place. Um, and again, Jake Dixon first podium in Moto Two. So, what? Absolutely brilliant for him over the moon. Mm-hmm. He's deserved this. He's, he's deserved it again. Like I said, yes, they've all inherited these places, but you, you, sometimes you've got to put yourself in a position to inherit those places. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, over the moon for all three of those. Um, yeah, and Roberts in eighth place, which of course, yeah, is uh, is little consolation to Bovia being in fourth, but it's still something. Um, yeah, and then you got Sean Dillon Kelly finishing seventeenth, and I was really like, when I saw where he finished, and just saw like two more places. That's all you need, mind you. You look at the timing scale, and he was 84 seconds back. Like, he was out of contention for, like, he needed another two riders to go down to score yeah. a point. This was not like he could try to make a move because um, Della Porta was 79 seconds back, and then Dylan Kelly was 84. So there was, and then 
Romano Fanati was only 38 seconds. So he was, you know, 50 some seconds or 40 some seconds behind Fanati. He was not getting this. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, it was one of those things. When I saw like where he was, I'm like, oh, he must have been so close. I looked at times. I'm like, he was nowhere close to getting this. He needed a miracle. But uh, looking at Rider of the Day, oh boy. I'm going to try to think who I want to take. You want me to pick while you think? Yeah, go ahead I'll, while yeah, I'm I'll thinking you, about this. I'll give you two seconds. Um, obviously, mine will be Jake Dixon. A bit yeah. of British bias in there, of course. But solid ride. Deserves his podium, 100%. I mean, he's been so close over the over this season. Um, in the past, in previous years, he's been close and... He's finally done it, and uh, I'm so happy for him. And maybe, maybe this is it now. Maybe him getting a podium, um, it'll just unlock something, which will mean he'll get a race win, which might unlock something else, and we could see a totally different Jack Dixon. And again, mm-hmm. like I said um, before, we started recording this. This can This race has opened up the championship again. I know we're only. This is yep. only the fourth race, but it was looking like there was a couple of usual suspects, such as your Vietti, Canet. Yeah, um, them two in, being favourites, and all of a sudden, you know, th- them crashing out along with Lowe's, Aldegar, Chantra, the, the, them are massive names that have crashed out. So, Iagora is, I think, now second in the championship. Um, I believe if I just pull up the standings now, yeah, I'm getting those up too. Uh, Vietti is still in first, Iagora second, Arbolino third, Kanetch dropped down to fourth, Chantra's fifth. Exactly. So Arbelino's found himself in it. Agora's mm-hmm. found himself back in it or or further in it. Um, yeah. And you like to see Kanets, your Chantras, or your Lowe's have, have dropped and Dixon's Dixon's flew up as well. So Yep. You know, it's all to play for. It definitely is all to play for. Yeah, so uh for my rider of the day, I'm gonna go, you know, classic Polanski fashion. I'm gonna take Bobier. Oh, I know he crashed. I knew you were. I knew you were. I knew he- I know he crashed, but he, you know, to set the pole for, you know, get the best lap um, record to, you know, get the good start. He was up in that top. He was in podium contention for a long time. And then it's just, you know, last lap, he, you know, bumps got the best of them. And it was just, uh, I think he had to have some, he had to have a bit of bad luck at some point mm-hmm. this weekend. And unfortunately, that was a time it's chose to strike, which is very unlucky. But no, I'm, I'm, I think if if Jake Dixon was in a similar scenario, I'd, I dare say I'd have picked him as well. So, right, um, yeah, solid choice. Yeah, so we're gonna move on to MotoGP following the race uh, weekend schedule, and we got a podium of Anea Bastianini, Alex Renz, and Jack Miller. Uh, but I feel the talking point we need to start with is what happened to Mark on that start because. Yeah. And I haven't seen any reports. I haven't like seen if they put out what the cause of it was. Um, Bert was commenting that maybe he left the pit limiter on because it didn't seem like it was a launch device thing. Because usually, with like we've seen with um, who was it? Uh, Davizioso uh, last weekend in Argentina, they still get off the line good. It's just through the lap they sort of like the bike doesn't do what it should do, and they drop to the back. Um, but with this, it almost seemed like he, like the bike, just had no power. Yeah, it's, it, it was odd. I, I, do, I thought it was maybe a mistake at first by him, but I don't know if it was. It seems like he said a pit limiter or anti-stall or something. I don't know. But it, if, mm-hmm. you, if you listen to the onboard, it sounds like it. It just it doesn't really want to rev as he's setting off. He's going through the gears and they're just not. Yep. It's not revving. Um, and again, whether that was a glitch, uh, like a software glitch, or He's made a mistake, or I don't know. It was it was a bit odd. Um, maybe he's changed gear too early. I don't know. Um, yeah, very odd. But that's that was huge because that co- that arguably cost him the race. You know, if mm-hmm. he'd have got if he'd have got a good start like everyone else, we could be sat here talking about how this is classic Mark Marquez comeback. How he's he's proved the critics wrong again. He's come back and won. Um, from nowhere after this, after that, the big 
big high side in in uh, Mandalika. But no, mm. instead we're talking about what could have been really. We're talking about someone who ended up finishing. Was it fifth, sixth? Uh sixth. sixth. Someone who ended up finishing sixth. Um, six seconds or six point six seconds off the leader. Yep. But due to a poor start, if anything, which you could you could argue maybe cost him up to six point six seconds. Right. Uh, and like. I was just as stunned as like Bert and um, Lewis were at the start, whatever, because they said Mark's at the back of the pack. They're like, what happened? And they showed the onboard. And it, like you said, it just seemed like the bike didn't want to go above a certain RPM. Um, And from there, it was just from that point on, it was, well, what does Mark do now? How far can he make it up? Because we know how he goes at this circuit. We know, He's the, the been dubbed the king of Coda. So from there, it became very interesting about how far up he was going to make it. And, you know, he, he tried some dodgy moves. There was the one, I think, where he passed, what was it, Maverick? And he almost ran Bender into the, uh, off the track. Uh, to, he, you know, was picking people off left and right. And they... They were saying after the race, it got, it just got to a point he passed so many people and was working so hard to pass those people that by the time he caught Pecco, he just didn't have any energy left to him. No, he didn't, because Fabio was closing him down. Yep. I think you could add one or two more laps and Fabio probably would have taken, taken yep. him. Um, because, yeah, obviously, lack of race fitness without with not really being in Mandalika and not being in Argentina. Yeah, by the end of it, he was... He was exhausted. You could tell, like even at the end on the cooldown lap, and and that he was he was absolutely exhausted. It reminded me of what was the first race he had back last season. Um, was it? Oh, it was Portimao. Yeah. yeah, and you saw him at the end of that race, and he was up. He was. You could tell in tears. Nothing. Yeah, in tears because he had nothing left because it it been that long, and it was kind of similar to that. But mm-hmm. I mean, sixth place is. I mean, he beat Paul. Yeah. I mean, Paul was down in 13th. Um, so I, I, we know, obviously, it's Mark Marquez, one of Mark Marquez's favourite tracks, but we know, bloody hell, I mean, come on, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, oh, and I'm sure it was something where whenever he saw Mark coming, he he had to know, I'm not, I can't yeah, compete yeah. with this. This is his track. You know, he's on a mission now after getting, you know, messed up and, Ending up at the back of the pack, he had Paul had to know I'm not going to stop this, and yeah, yeah, damn whoever tries to get in his way. But he just picked person after person out of his way, and like when he got to Fabio, uh, they were making a big deal about if he was going to. I'm like, no, it's when he passes Fabio. Mm. Yeah, this is Fabio doesn't stand a chance. But then once they got to, um. Once he got to Peko, it became like, okay, well, because I think when he got to Peko, he had like seven laps left. Yeah. And it was, well, because they were still trying to say, like, could he be on the podium? I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, he has to pass like seven people. He has to pass a personal lap. And at this point, the gaps are spreading out so far because you had Bastianini finishing two seconds above Renz. Renz finishing three-tenths up on Miller, but then they were both uh, 1.9 up on Mir, and then Banyaya and Marquez are six seconds back. Hmm. So it was like, well, no, he's not going to get any farther. He has hit his limit, and then he you know, hit his physical limit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... But I want to say the race that Rins had. Oh, yeah. Like, I have to imagine you were just sitting there giddy as a school child watching him work his way up that field. Oh, I was. I mean, he was in my fantasy team for a start, so you that's part bastard. Of the <laughs> but he was a silver rider, though, so it wasn't all. Oh. But at the same time, yeah, on Suzuki, I mean, Rins, I, I, I think I, I said in a previous podcast, I, I don't know which one, but I, I think I said pound for pound, Rins is a faster rider than Mia. Mm-hmm. Um and I think he's always been faster than Rhea. Um 
maybe even a better rider than Mia, but he's not until recently he's not been as smart as Rhea as Mia. He's not been um a smart rider like Mia. Right. Um and I think again he's realized with twenty twenty how he, he probably thought he threw that away and he had a chance of winning twenty twenty one where he had that win it bin it mentality. Um where it, it it seemed like if I need to if I can't get on the podium or I can't I can't come first and there's I might as well DNF. Um but I think he's probably been told behind the scenes, look, if you don't if you don't get your act together this season, you'll be gone. Um mm-hmm. and maybe he's he's took a leaf out of Mia's book because Mia's got it right, really. He, uh, that, that's what won him twenty twenty is the fact that he was consistent. He was Mr. Consistent. He he didn't he never set any time in um screens of light. He was never on everyone's ride of the day list usually. He was just there in the background, finishing fourth, third, fourth, and fifth, or or whatever he did, um, and I think Rins realised that's the way to go, and also that Suzuki, it's maybe at the maybe it's not what we all it, we it's still not what we all thought it was from testing, but it's getting there, and also it's it's the way it can conserve tires towards the end of the race is unbelievable compared to it seems every other bike, the way it can just that fighting through the field. And when you've got riders like Rins and Mia on it, who are born again Rins and, and a smart rider like Mia, who can, they can just save the tyres and they can just have some patience and they can choose the moments to strike and work their way through the grid. They let other people lead um, for most of the race and then they'll they'll choose a moment to strike. And I think they're just, yep. they're a good package. The only thing letting them down is... Is to qualify in pace, right at the moment. But I don't know. Maybe I should know the rule. But I don't know if there's like a park fermé where you can't do much with the bike after qualifying. So when you start qualifying, that's a race trim. Um, but if that's the case, I think that Suzuki are happy to finish further down the pecking order if it means they've got a better bike for the for the actual race. Um, and honestly, we're seeing. I I think they are a dark horse. They are leading the team championship. Um, you've got Rins in second place in the Riders' Championship. I think Mia's in fourth place in the Riders' Championship. Yeah, like they're just chipping away. There's nothing mm-hmm. sexy about it. There's nothing really all that spectacular. But yet they're there, and the the they're just making sure they get points race after race. And I think you'll see them. They are two serious title contenders. And I'm not just saying that as a kind of Suzuki fan or or someone who's fond of Suzuki as a team. I, right. I genuinely mean that. I really do. Well, and you saw this a lot, especially Mir's winning season, where it was that they would basically just start low, and then as the other bikes started to wear the tires and start to fall off, there were the Suzuki boys just picking person after person after person off. Mm-hmm. And especially late on in that 2020 season, you saw Mir and Renz consecutively on the podium. I think there was like a couple races where it was both of them on the podium. Mm. And it, it's good to see that they're they're able to pick, they're, they're still able to do that. But I would like to see them at this point start to figure out qualifying because they just cannot get that right and if they could they would probably win a lot of races and i did look it up there they do have park Ferme for moto gp yeah that's that that makes a lot of sense now i think they know that they can't really have the cake and eat it in that sense they can't have a bike right. that's amazing at qualifying and also amazing in the race they've got to choose because let's face it if they if they're set up so that they were blistering in the qualifying i reckon we could see both of them on the front row or the front mm-hmm. two rows but then they're probably eating to the tyres too quick during the race and you just see them start slowly dropping down the order. And I think you'd rather have it the other way around, the way they've got it. I'd, I think you'd rather have them jump up the order rather than fall down the order. Um, right. So, yeah, for me, Suzuki, I think I think Rins and Mir will both get a win this season. Um, especially Rins out of the two, if, you, if I had to pick. But moving on um, to the Ducatis... Uh, they dominated, didn't they, at the start of this? Oh week. yeah! Wow. Um, the top five spots on the starting grid were all Ducatis. It was, um, 
it was both factories, Ducatis. It was both Pramax and uh, Anea with on the Grassini. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm glad I got a Ducati as my team in my fantasy. <laughs> in fantasy, <Yeah>. yep. <laughs> um, but I think it's... everybody picked them with, yeah, as their you... manufacturer. You had to, didn't you? You've got to. But it's interesting, though, with the two Pramax. So Martin set that absolutely blistering lap in qualifying. That thing was on rails. Like, I think someone had a magnet underneath the circuit and was just guiding it round, really, because <laughs> it was it was literally, there was, it, at no point did it look like he was going to bin that. that no. Flying round. But yet, in the race, they're just, eighth and ninth, they just fell off a cliff. Um, Obviously, that is a 2022 spec bike that they've got in its, right. in its entirety. Um, well, and then you look at the other 2022 Ducatis with Miller and Benyaya. Yeah. Miller was leading this lap or was leading the race for most of it. And then, you know, and Benyaya was up there. He sort of just leveled out at a certain point. But you see where those are. And then you see the two Pramax here. Like, what happened here? Yeah. I mean, again, the, the factories, they seem to have. Well, going off this race anyway, maybe it was just a strong Ducati track, but they seem to have sorted a lot of their issues out and they seem to be getting back to where we expected at the beginning of the season them two factory Ducati riders to be. Um, again, the, the, it seems like they still have some issues um, that they need to figure out, but they're getting there. Um, and of course, this European leg we're getting to, we, we can really see what that bike's made of and if they have actually sorted the bike out. But then you look at Bastianini. Now, this is always kind of being a satellite team. This is where you can either be kind of look in or look out in the fact that you're given last season's bike. And sometimes mm-hmm. that might be an absolutely awful bike to be given. But that 2021 Ducati at the end of last season was untouchable. It was in a league right. of its own. And Bastianini's got that bike. And because of how good a rider is and how talented he is, he's making full use of that. And... Well, and then, like, um, what Banaya said about whenever he won a guitar, he, all he's had to do is get on that bike and go. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you tweak a couple little things here and there to set it up for the track mm. and for the conditions of the track, but for the most part, there's no real big adjustments where the factory Ducatis have had to go through massive swings. Um, the Pramex have seemed to either be really good or really bad yeah um and then you know last week you had um martin leading most of the race and then this week it's it this was the bad of you know the equation yeah that that 22 bike did not like it wasn't kind on the tires this race was it Mm -mm. it did not like the track whereas the 21 bike it didn't seem to have an issue. And the 22 right. bike with a bit of the 21 engine, which is obviously what Miller and Banyaya are on, for whatever reason, seemed to it seemed to be kinder on the tyres. Because I think, like with a lot of races, tyres come into it. And yep. a, a, on, a, on a circuit like Kota, towards the end of the race, they really do start to drop off a cliff. And we saw that with the Ducatis. Um, mm-hmm. and then Especially Miller. Ducatis. Yeah, especially Miller, bloody hell! Like he, he, uh, if that, if that was like, what? When did he get passed on? Um, lap sixteen. So if you were talking yep. again, a couple of laps short of this race, and Miller might have won it because he obviously could have been a bit more, a bit more aggressive with his tires, uh, mm-hmm. with his riding. But yeah, well, it's a solid. Even the even still, it's a solid result for Miller because it's he definitely needed this. Um, yeah. You know, when he's got Martin and possibly Bastianini breathing down his neck for his seat, he needs he needs races like this week in, week out. So maybe this is a confidence boost. I like the touch with Nicky Hayden where he had that flag. That was... Oh, yeah. That. Um, but now we have to move on to Yamaha. Uh, yeah. Bono's, Bono's <laughs> maybe it's a good thing Bono ain't here. Yeah, because um, buddy Fabio, I'm sorry, but I mean... Down in seventh was probably as good as maybe he could have hoped for. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, a couple more laps, maybe he would have got Mark. So maybe a sixth is the best he could have hoped for. But it's not 
it's not looking all harmonious in the Yamaha camp at the moment. No. Um, well, and especially now, there's been rumors coming out that um, Repsol's hunting around for yeah, them because they even what was it? I think Friday during one of the practice sessions, they had um, Jack Appleyard was uh, interviewing Fabio's manager. And because they even made a comment like how good Jack did interviewing him because it was like he straight up asked him. He's like, has Repsol contact you? He's like, and the manager's like, I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> he goes, but had, so who has contacted you? And they're like, I'm not allowed to say any of that. Yeah, I think a lot of teams would be sniffing around. Um, mm-hmm. Well, well, actually, Repsol, really. I think Suzuki are happy with, at the moment, Suzuki are happy with Rins and Mia. Um, and I think I it, don't think I don't think anyone else could afford them. No, nah, other than either. Repsol, I don't. And I think well, and the name Repsol. I mean, I'm sorry, but if if you're Fabio, and I know, I don't know what Bono. I don't know how Bono would take it if Fabio went to Repsol. I wanted. I was so hoping he would be here because I wanted to yeah. ask him about this when this I, came up. I think it'd be denial, personally. Um, and it, or he'd go to the cliffs of Dover and throw himself off. He's gonna um, light up. He's gonna light on fire any Fabio merch he's got. Oh God, he, <laughs> that's the worst move possible for him. Maybe that's why Fabio's doing it. But <laughs> I, it'd be tough for him. He really would. Uh, like wage aside, because I'm sure he'd get paid a lot more at Repsol than he would at, mm-hmm. at Yamaha. But Repsol Honda, if they come knocking, it's it's hard to turn it down. That's like Ferrari coming knocking in F1. You right. You don't really say no to that. The Repsol Honda, the, the the name. I mean, if you can if you can win a title on a on a hot Repsol Honda, you're you're among names like Mark Marquez, uh, Casey Stoner, Nicky Hayden, um, Valentino Rossi won on Repsol. Even um, some of the names like Pedrosa, you never won a yeah, title, but never won, but he he was one of the all time greats. Um, mm-hmm. Mick Doohan, I'm pretty sure he won on a Repsol. Yep. Um, these names there that like most of the names in the Hall of Fame have run won the title on the Repsol. And at some point. At some point. So for Fabio, if he was in talks with Repsol Honda for that, I'm I'm assuming I'm assuming it's 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 Paul's seat because oh yeah, unless Mark unless unless Mark secretly planning to retire at the end of the season or something, which I doubt. Um, no. I'm assuming it's Paul's seat. Um. And it's going to be very, very, very tough, unless unless he's he's seen that as a last ditch attempt to get Pond Yamaha to bloody, you know, do something about the end the, the horsepower deficit. But Yamaha don't really Yamaha have a tried and true method, don't they? They they yep. they know that sometimes they can look in with how their philosophy, and sometimes it, they've got to they've got to go to the go to the look, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they don't really change the philosophy for any rider. Um, I don't really think Rossi was very good at convincing or influencing Yamaha. Um, I think I remember him saying that, you know, Rossi used to say, and I think Lorenzo and Vinales used to say, that, like, it doesn't matter what you tell a, a Yamaha engineer in Japan. It doesn't matter. Like, right. they, they know what's best for the bike. The rider doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, and... I don't know. I think he's getting a bit frustrated now. Well, and you look at like where his the rest of the Yamaha's finished. Davi's in fifteenth, Morbidelli yeah. in sixteenth. That was awful to see. I mean, and and then Bender's in twenty second. He was dead last yeah. of the you know the bike still running. Yeah, it's it's they've they've got he is a star rider. There's no one else at the moment. That's why I think personally, I know I keep saying it, but Ralph Fernandez, I think he will go to. Because mm-hmm. I've got to look to the future, whether that's with a future with Fabio or not. They need other people in, and I right. think Ralph Fernandez is a good show. Maybe Top Rack from World Superbike. Um, they've got they've got three spaces to fill, maybe even four. Because I don't think yeah. Aaron Binder's going to be in the for the long haul. Obviously, no. Dovi. I can't see. I mean, Dovi could be gone unless he's on a multi year contract. He could be gone at the end of the season. Um, Morbidelli, unfortunately, as much as I like the guy and as much as I. I was. I'm a bit gutted he didn't win in 2020 because he definitely deserved to. Um, right. I don't think he's cutting the mustard really for a factory Yamaha seat. Um, so they've got. A, I mean, going forward for next year, they've they've got a lot of thinking to do. 
Mm-hmm. And they've got a lot of work to do with Yamaha to to find out who's who's going to be where. And and then you add in the fact that Fabio might be leaving. I mean, whether he will, right. we don't know, but he could be leaving. And then they'll have to find someone to replace Fabio. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I, God, it's 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 not going well for. I, I think with Yamaha, they're in a, a tough spot, and Fabio's in a tough spot because he he might soon have to make a decision on whether to, to stick it out with Yamaha for another season or two, or think to himself, I've won a championship on a Yamaha, I want to win on a Repsol. They were like a reverse Rossi. Um, right. And we'll see. But yeah, and looking at, uh, I think a Pro and KTM, we can pretty much. Yeah, you know, scamming I mean, over because yeah, you don't like talking about KTM. On a <laughs> I mean, Aprilia, especially after last week, you were really hoping they'd do well. So to see them finish tenth yeah. and eleventh, it it, it's, it just it didn't seem like they were gonna get do well in this race right off the bat. Like, especially in qualifying, you saw um, uh, Aleish fall off in qualifying. You know, it, it was just like okay, this track doesn't suit the Aprilia. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like these, you know, 10th and 11th is about the best you're going to hope for. And they finished like three tenths off of each other. So this wasn't yeah. like a huge disparity in teammates like Morbidelli to Quattararo. Like this was, this is as good as the Apollo is going to do at Coda and get as much as you can. Yeah, I agree. Um, and And with like KTM, it's just another typical KTM just out in the. It was doing his best. Awful. Oliveira just seems to. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if it's his mindset or if he's physically just not up to it. I I, I do not understand what's going on with Oliveira. And another thing is, last season, every Moto Two review we did, it was Raul Fernandez and Remy Gardner. That's all we talked about for Moto Two, pretty much. And now, at the moment, the the might as well not even be riding because we just we never mention them. Well, that's that whole. They're never mentioned. No. And that's like that whole rookie pack. Because you look at like... The only role names you've heard about was Darren in Mandalika because of how well he did. And then I think Bedzeki last week, he got a ninth place. So you're like, oh, that's pretty good. But then you look at like uh, Raul Fernandez, nothing. Remy Gardner got like that first... um, He got a point in Qatar. So that was like one thing. DG has been hasn't done anything. So like that whole most of that rookie pack is just like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. And I get their rookies, but it's still like there is some great a talent here. You know, yeah, like you said, Raul and Remy last in Moto Two, it was they were dominating that year. And now it's like, well, what are we doing here? Yeah. yeah. And I've uh, like, if this, uh, after seeing like all the, like the, where the tech threes have been finishing, it will be a miracle if Raul stays there. Yeah. I don't think he will pass this season. No. Um, no. But right but that, uh, I'm going to give mine to, I'll let you, I'm going to give mine to Mark. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you have Rins because yeah. I feel like that's where you're gonna go. Yeah, but I'm gonna yeah. take Mark to come from dead last. He was de- like 24th place, and to finish sixth, like you have to wonder what could have been had he finished high. How many seconds ahead of Anea would he have finished? Yeah, I agree. It's um. It's a strong shout for Rider of the Day, definitely, because, like mm-hmm. we said, it, 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 we could be talking about him finishing first, and then I don't think we would any of us would have picked him as Rider of the Day because it's not something we usually do. Um, so unlucky from him, but it, it's it's a confidence boost either way. And uh, oh yeah, going into party mal, uh, we can see what what he's made of. Really, see if he's back to hundred percent. Yeah, but uh, looking at the points championship we have a new points leader with anaya uh on 61 points we got rins on 56 and alash on 50 points so a little bit of a shake up uh after this race um moving into moto three 
we got Jeremy Masia finishing on first with Dennis Foggia on second and Andrea Mino in third. And this race just seemed like typical Moto3. It was down every straightaway. There's back and forth, you know, three wide. There really was. This wasn't like a race where one person got out ahead and just dominated. Like um, Dennis Anju was in the lead for a little while. Mino was up there for a little while. Um, Foggia was in the lead. Like this was typical Moto Three stuff you see when the track has a really long straightaway. Yeah, you see a lot of a lot of bunching up, a lot of swapping positions in typical kind of Moto Three fashion. This is a this is one of them tracks where pretty much every Moto Three race is the same um, mm-hmm. because of that long straight. Uh, but it, as well, far it's... as Moto Three races go, it wasn't amazing, I guess. But it was it was all right. It, um, it kind of entertained, I guess, and. Um, it mixed up the order a little bit, I say, because the likes mm-hmm. of Garcia fell out, uh, fell off, and who else fell? Um, I mean, you had um, uh, Moriera, uh, Algado, yeah. Garcia, uh, Bertelli, uh, Watley pulled in at lap five with a technical issue. Kaida Toba fell off. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. this was one of those where. There as the race got later, you could see people trying to get more desperate. Mm. And like you said, yeah, with tracks like these, it's like this uh, Coda, uh, Catalonia, Magello. If they have that really long straightaway, Qatar is the same way. If they if those track any of those tracks have a really long straightaway, it's going to be a slipstream down the straightaway. They sort of fall in line. You might get one or two, but then once they hit that straightaway, they like, and you saw it in this race, they went five wide at one point. Yeah. And it, it kind of gets scary. Like we talked about uh, last year when they were at Coda. Like you start to get these tracks where this slipstream is so powerful and you get the bikes all bunching up and going wide, and you're just like, when they said they were five wide, my third thought was, oh god, here we go again. Yeah, with the weaving and and the, the yep, the kind of the the incidents or the the kind of risks that entails of the weaving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. It was it was good for the uh, for our boys anyway. Um, of course, it was a shame with Watley, but I guess when. You know, with a something like a technical issue, you you can't really dwell on that because it's about your control. Um, and with Scott Ogden getting a twelve, I think he started twelve. Um, really solid race, really good. Um, I think inherited that a little bit because I f- believe um, Toba fell off, which because he was thirteenth, wasn't he? So I think Toba yeah. fell the last corner. He took twelve, and then Holgado, unfortunately, who had I think already fallen off. Um, I, well, because there was two riders towards the end that hit, like collided with each other. Yeah, because it was it was I know it was Toba, and I think it might have been Holgado because Holgado went over and helped lift the bike. because yeah, yeah. Toba's leg was stuck under it. Mm. So unlucky for them too. Um, mm-hmm. But great for Scott because he gets more more another four points, I think, for twelve. Yep. To Tally, uh to take that into Portimao. Very unlucky for Josh, uh, really. Because I mean, Portugal is, I think, is a track that they both know a bit better. Argentina. didn't got on pole um was able to stay on the podium so again um 
Husqvarna. I think, you know, title fight. And again, if we look further down the line, if we look at say, Agoras is quite testament to how well he's doing as well. Um, so, I mean, Mina, but again, with Moto3, it really does, it swings around about. So I remember we, uh, for most of last season, it was between Garcia and um, and Acosta, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. And then out, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Garcia wasn't in the picture anymore because I think he had a crash and skipped a couple of races. And Foggia was in the mix. A little bit too too little too late, but... Mm-hmm. That's how it can go in Moto Three, so we'll have to keep an eye out. Definitely. Yeah. So moving into Moto GP Fantasy, uh, our top three for this race were uh, in first place for overall this weekend. We have Valley three three one six. Second place, Tiger Motorsports. Josh. I am. Yeah. Got yeah. got second, and uh, third place we have Machine Green. Um. Yeah, you guys pulled out some some big points in this uh, race. Yeah, I changed it last minute. I changed my team. Ooh, Valley uh, three three one six has used two boosts already. Oh my lord! Yeah. Well. So he's gunning for it, and then leading overall, we have Wally eighty seven still uh, in first place. Second place is Tex Team, and third place is Under Gods. Uh, Josh, you're in fourth place. I'm so, getting, I'm getting there. Uh, I am in 27th. I came up quite a few. Who did you, uh, did you change it for that? I m- made a couple changes. Let me pull up uh, where see where Bono is. Oh, Bono's in 41st place. So, um, oh. I did. I did. I made two changes. I brought. Um, I ca- I still had Anea and Alash in my team, but I brought Jorge and Brad Bender back in because I had sent them. I'd kicked them out of the team and then brought them back in. The problem is I didn't. Pull, I had Anea as a silver rider. Ah, yeah, so interesting points. I but then so. I look at the other two riders or the other three riders like Martin, Alash, Bender. It's like, oh crap. Did you did you think Bender was gonna? There was Sunday, the Mr. Sunday. No, and- I don't think it, this track would have suited the KTM for him to do that, but it was more of he's Mr. Consistent. Like he is consistently in the top 10. And I, that, that is one of the reasons I wanted him on the team. And then it's like, oh, he's like uh, what, 11th no. this weekend. Well, by your, by your, where you are in the league, I, I, I'm assuming it's Darren Binder you've got in your team. <laughs> no, it's Brad. Bloody <laughs> hell. Yeah. Oh. But start up in your game. We need to yeah. end there. Well, and it's so much better with the two uh, trades you get each week because you can really like start to mess with stuff. And instead of that, like last season where it was like you got one and it's just like yeah. you really got to focus and you're taking it down to what is it? I think it closes after FP4 right before qualifying starts and yeah. you're taking it to that FP4 to like. Who do I trade out of here? Who can't? And like you'll start look calculating stuff ahead of time. Like, okay, well, I have these four riders. If I take this person out, I can pay this person. And like you start playing all those games where with the two riders, you can be like, okay, I got a little bit more to work with here. Yeah, definitely. But uh, that'll do it for today. Uh, like we said before, please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Red Sector. You can follow us on our personal accounts. Um, please be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating review. Leaving those five stars really does help get our name out there. It helps move us up the leaderboard for when you search MotoGP, our podcast comes up. So if you can leave a five-star rating, 
we really appreciate it. Um, on iTunes, you can leave a review. Um, I don't have iTunes, so I can't see them. Say what you want. <laughs> but uh, that'll do it for today. So with that, keep the throttle pinned. Oh, <laughs>